Embark on a journey of faith, fellowship and discovery with Vision Tours as you experience Australia's rich Christian heritage firsthand. Visit Christian heritage sites and museums in Sydney and across the Blue Mountains on this 10-day tour. Understand the people and events that shaped the fledgling colony with Outback historian Dr Paul Rowe. Join like-minded people this November with Vision Tours. See tour dates, highlights and inclusions at vision.org.au slash tours. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. What is God doing in your life? What royal objective has He called you to? Are you achieving it? Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll hear the rest of More Than Fine. Pastor Jeff brings us encouragement from the story of David, his defeat of Goliath, but also his friendship with Jonathan, who gave up his claim to Saul's throne because he saw God working through David and knew it was God's plan for David to rule. It's God's new community in the world and Jesus loved it so much he's willing to die for it so that you could have a little bit of up there, down here. This is Today with Jeff Vines and the conclusion of More Than Fine. Now, I have some questions for you, okay? How many of you struggle? Don't raise your hand. How many of you struggle with pride? Well, the reality is all of you, all of us, right? We are so bent on being significant above mediocrity that even when we know everything we have, God has given us, there's a part of us that wants to take credit for it. We're afraid if we give God all, well, we'll give him some, but to give God all the glory would mean that I have to say that everything I have is because of what God has done. By the way, folks, this is not a giving sermon, but that's why we're not generous, at least one of the reasons, because there's a part of us, wait, I worked and I did this with my own two hands. It's mine. How many of you struggle with insecurity? Any of you? Yeah. All of you struggle with insecurity. Why? Because there's a part of you that knows you're not in control. And you're insecure because you think, man, I I don't control tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. And that causes depression. It causes anxiety. It's because ultimately there's a part of you that thinks that you're the hero, that it's what you determine. It's what you will. When somebody tries to tell you otherwise, there's a part of you that wants to believe it, but you have a hard time living that out pragmatically in your life. How many of you are depressed and anxious? How many of us suffer from anxiety? All of these things are part of the kingdom of the earth. If you experience pride and insecurity and depression and anxiety, I just want to say to you, welcome to planet earth. Now listen, this is the crescendo. Jesus constantly talked about two worlds, up there and down here. And down here, it's anxiety and depression and fear and worry and the feeling of average and mundane, and we never seem to get over it. But up there is total acceptance and significance and royalty and anything but mediocrity, the extraordinary life, man, where there is peace, where there's contentment, where there's certainty, where everything is as it should be. The problem is up there's not down here. Now, I brought my friend Tigger along with me this weekend. This was a Christmas present I gave my daughter Sion when she was eight years old. 
I wanted to get her something special. We lived in Auckland, New Zealand, and I kept going to this toy store to find something. I never could find something, but every time on the way out, I noticed that all the eight-year-old girls were gathered around Tigger. They love Tigger. I thought, wow, that's it. I'll get Tigger. This will be fantastic. And I walked over and I looked at the price tag and I knew there was no way I could get Tigger. If I did, I just needed to make sure I didn't tell my wife. But I couldn't resist it. And so in early November, I walked in and I picked Tigger up. Tigger was surrounded by all these little girls. When I picked Tigger up, those little girls looked at me as if I was the greatest dad on planet Earth. And I walked up with my head held high and I put it near the cash register. She rang it up and I paid the money. Those little girls followed me through the mall. And I, that, the, the lady said, you want me to wrap this up? I said, no, I'll take him as he is. And I wanted to walk with Tigger from the toy store to the parking lot so that every little girl could know what the greatest dad on planet Earth looks like. We're all looking for significance. And I got home. And I set Tigger down and I was going to wrap Tigger as a Christmas present. Then the thought dawned on me, I can't wait that long. And I walked into Sian's room and I gave her her Christmas present in early November. I got in severe trouble with her mother, but I didn't care. It was worth every, every penny. She still has him. Look how clean he is. Look how she's taking care of him, man. We're talking what? We're talking 13 years, man. Look at him like brand new. Unless I keep picking him up by the ear. Tigger. Now here's what happens. It's almost as if Jesus said, I know what you want because I've made it for you. And I know what you're looking for. You're not going to find it through hero worship or hero jealousy or hero hatred. What you're looking for, I have found there is a place. But I can't wait till Christmas to give it to you. So I'm going to give you a little taste of it right here and right now. And there is someone else who temporarily temporarily gave up what was rightfully his. There's someone else who gave you his robe of righteousness and wore a robe of sacrifice and suffering that you may rise to royalty. There's someone else who died while fighting his father's battles. And he did it all to bring those who were far from God near to God so that up there would come down here and he would establish a group of people called the Ecclesia the church, and it is not a building, and it is not an institution, and it is not a bureaucracy. It's a collective group of people who would bear each other's burdens, who would confess their sins to one another, who would hold each other accountable, who would protect each other, who would remind each other that we are royalty in Jesus Christ, who would rejoice with us when good things happen, who would sorrow with us when we have the failures and disasters and tragedies of life, and who would constantly remind us that although we may lose some of the battles in our life, ultimately we will win the war. And that if we lived in this community with people, the ecclesia, the ones who were called out, that they would constantly remind us of who we really are. And we would not be sucked into the vortex of the world to think that if we made a lot of money, these feelings of mundaneness and mediocrity would go away. They're the people that will ask you the hard questions. It's like coming home. They will tell you the truth about yourself. They will help you see yourself as you really are. And in doing so, it may hurt a little bit, but sooner or later, you'll have this community where everybody knows each other as you really are and you're encouraging each other and you're loving each other and my goodness suddenly we all know that we are royalty and we know that God's hand is on us and they'll remind you consistently what is God doing in your life what royal 
objective as he called you to? Are you achieving it? It's God's new community in the world. And Jesus loved it so much, he's willing to die for it. So that you could have a little bit of up there, down here. You know, honestly, no matter how much wealth you have, that's not going to give you that. Not that there's anything bad with wealth. It's just that you're looking for a wealth of spirit, a wealth of soul, a wealth of peace, a wealth of confidence, a wealth of security. And you're only going to get that by living in community. When David was in community with Jonathan, he lived the extraordinary life and did extraordinary things. But as soon as Jonathan was gone, David didn't replace him. And what happened? He sinned with Bathsheba. He killed Uriah. He became a liar and he was a horrible father to his sons. It's there, but the life you're looking for is in the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church. That's not a wall. That's not a bureaucracy, but a group of people. Can I show you mine? These are my, this is my group. Now I'm the pastor of, of this church. I know, and I love you and you love me, but I'm not in deep community with most of you. And this is my community. These are the people that ask me the hard questions. This is my rooted group right now, but long before they were my rooted group, these are my friends. You've got Pastor Phil and his wife, Mary, on the far left. You've got my wife, Robin, next. And here's Vivian and Anthony McMahon, and then Eric and Malene Hancock. These are, these are my peeps. Pastor Phil will ask me hard questions. He'll call me out. He'll hold me accountable. He'll say, I don't like how you said that. He'll say, how are you treating the first lady? He calls Robin the first lady. (laughs) Anthony McMahon and Vivian, they've been our friends since day one. And Anthony and I will go to Dodger games together. And we'll talk about things. And Vivian, she's just a praying woman. She'll remind me what it is to be a true evangelist. She also makes the best carne asada on planet Earth. (laughs) I don't really like her that much, but I like her cooking. No, that's not true. I like... Erica Maline, uh, Maline's a school teacher. Eric works, uh, has a, a job that causes him to travel. Good people. Now, let me tell you something about that group of people. They are all weird. They are. That's why I fit in. Everybody's weird. Everybody's normal till you get to know them. Because you're going to say, that's not been my experience at church. I think they're all weird and dysfunctional. That's why you're going to fit in so well. Because we are all weird and dysfunctional. We all have our pet peeves. We all have our weirdness to us. And sometimes I'll look across the room while Vivian's talking and my mind just get a headache <laughs> because she can go everywhere. And then that's okay though. I, I've learned that I'm like that too. So I can actually follow her. It actually bores me if she talks about the same thing more than three or four minutes. I like the way she just continually shifts and changes. She's got me. I'm glued. These are the people that we can ask our questions to. It's like coming home. It's like the ones who will say, remember who you are, remember who you're not. I like the fact that when I'm around them, they remind me that I'm nothing, that God is everything. But at the same time, they remind me that I'm everything because of who I am in Christ. The best times of my life are with these people. Do you understand that? And it's something I didn't find until I came here. And now that we're all together in a rooted group, we're anxious to see where that will go. Uh, I'm a kind of person that I, I make it in life and my value in life is only as good as my friendships and my relationships. And you don't realize so is yours. And I don't have to be somebody I'm not with them. I don't have to act like the pastor. I mean, I'm the pastor, but they don't treat me like that. They just treat me like anybody else. So I can say things and do things and they laugh, but it's okay. It's okay. And that's what you need. But at the same time, 
They'll call me on the carpet and they'll say, hey, you know, this is what you need to be doing. You need to be thinking about doing things like this, especially Anthony. He's one of our, actually Anthony and Phil are two of our elders. And both of them have no trouble telling me, hey, this is what you need to be thinking about. It's accountability. It's the extraordinary life in community. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff's message is more than fine about the blessing Jonathan's friendship was to David. Let's continue now. Now, I want to end like this. Uh, these friends of mine tried to kill me. <laughs> I'm afraid to say, not on purpose, but they, they did. Not too long ago. Now, this is funny now, and I've got about five minutes to tell it. So I want you to stay with me. They, they, uh, we went on a, a vacation together. I said some of my best times, my, my favorite times are when I work really, really hard because I'm looking forward to hanging out with these people. And so we go on a trip together to Maui not too long ago. And it's Anthony's wife, Vivian. It's, uh, it's Vivian's birthday. And Vivian is the one uh, beside Anthony in the blue, right in the middle, right beside my wife, Robin. So Vivian decides she wants to go to a place called the Olivine Pools. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful place, really. It's where, where the ocean's currents come in over the rocks and create three natural pools. And if you're willing to do the long, long hike down, you can get into these pools. They're so crystal clear, you can actually see colored little rainbow fish. It's a great place. Now, most tourists don't know about it. Only the locals know about it. And somehow Vivian found out about it. If you park your car at mile mark or so-and-so, you get out of the car and walk down. You'll walk down and you'll see these beautiful pools. Now, we should have gotten the hint when we started seeing signs like this on the way down. As I've said before, there's no cure for stupid. But we thought, well, that we think what most people, these signs are for other people, not us. <laughs> and so we keep, I mean, it's quite a trek, quite a journey to get down there. And so we start walking down there and we, and we get in these pools. Now, I've said before, I don't really like the ocean uh, because I don't like anything that can wipe out a major city. Uh, I'd rather stay in a swimming pool. I love swimming pool and I've actually been a lifeguard when I was younger in a little lake. So that's okay. Lakes and pools I'm fine with, but not the ocean. But Vivian wants to go. It's her birthday. It almost became her death day. (laughs) So we get into the pools. A tsunami had struck off the coast not too long before that. So the waves, which people failed to tell us, were when they came in, they were really coming in. The the tide was was, uh, deep. We read a couple of weeks later after what I'm about to tell you happened that people die there all the time. Matter of fact, a couple died there a few weeks before this. Because here's what happens. You get in the pool and it's all good. But then the tide comes in and it washes over the rocks that serve as the barrier between you and the ocean. And it's so powerful that it will sweep you under or take you back out and people die. We didn't know that before then because Vivian wants to go. (laughs) And so we go. Anthony is smart. He's the only smart one of the bunch. And so he's standing up high watching all this. I'm in the water, Robin's in the water, Eric's in the water, Malene's on the side of the rocks because she's like me. She doesn't really want to get in, so she just stands on the rocks looking. Problem is, she's on the rocks, the barrier where the tide comes over. And uh, the first wave hits. I was smart enough to know from my lifeguard days, don't fight it because when you panic, you're done. I just swam down. Go deeper. It's cold, but you can kind of see. And by the way, when you open your eyes in salt water, oof, and, the, and you just wait. 
So after the first wave hit, of course, that's all we think is going to hit. It shoved me down quite hard. So it wasn't hard to get to the bottom. And then I think, okay, I'm running out of breath. Time to go up. So I start to go up. And I almost reach the top when there's this body uh, that thinks I'm a rock. Uh, So she starts to support herself with me. Uh, Of course, her name is Vivian. And she probably thinks God has sent her an angel to bring her to safety. And of course, I'm not able to get to the top. And Anthony said later, hey, it was like you were closing a washing machine, just throwing you around. So now I'm going back down and I'm running out of air and the second wave hits. Now I'm in trouble and I know it. And even though you know you're not supposed to panic now, like I said, it's funny now. So I'm thrown down and I'm in big trouble. So now panic is gone. I'm, I'm swimming as fast. I am kicking as hard as I can to get to the top to get some breath. I finally, after Vivian has gone, get to the top and I'm able to suck in enough air, but not, not a lot because the third wave hit. When the third wave hit, it hit me hard. This time it took me down and into the coral. So now I've got cuts and scrapes. And if I wasn't a pastor, I would take it and I'd show you all these, but I can't do it. I can't. Okay. No, no, no. Just kidding. So, so I get thrown up and over and into the smaller pool and suddenly it's all over. And I'm sitting there in a pool of blood where the blood's coming off where I've been cutting the coral. And it takes me a good 15. Anthony said, I saw your face, man. And you were like, just in a daze. I, I thought it was the end. Um, we laugh about it now when we talked about it on the way home and Anthony and Vivian are here so you can ask them to make sure I told the truth about the story. But I started thinking later how, what a great analogy because Anthony was up top watching over everybody. I think if he thought he had to go in, he would have. He said I would have been the first one he would have saved because he would not want to tell the elders that he took me to Maui and the senior pastor died. Which hurt Vivian a little, but, but she got over it. Then, then there's, then there's Malene who was wondering on the side, you know, I wonder how Eric is doing, but I'll go in if I have to. And I, and then there's Eric, who's the most humble out of all of us, who was thinking, Hey, I wonder if Malene knows I'm okay. There's Robin. You got to know my wife. Woo. This is fun. Can we do this again? You think I'm kidding? All right. Uh, there's Eric, and then, the, the, then there's, uh, there's me. And I'm thinking, this is it. This, this is the end. I've done it again. I, I, I didn't kill myself on a bicycle, so I'm just going to drown myself. <laughs> and every one of those personalities and temperaments have been necessary to keep me balanced. It's good to know that there's somebody watching over. That's Anthony. It's good to know there's somebody who just rides the waves of life, just rides them and has fun. It's good to know that somebody thinks the angels come and save them. <laughs> it's good to know that there's somebody in there that actually worries about everybody else instead of themselves. It's good to know that if somebody has to jump in and save you, they will no matter how difficult it is. When you get in community, you have all these temperament and personalities that respond to life's difficulties differently. And, they, I, and the truth is you need every single one of them to survive. Every single one of them. Be sure that the church is imperfect. And that's why you're going to fit in. People are going to drive you mad. You'll drive people mad. But Jesus loves his church. And the way he brings up there down here is in the ecclesia of the community. Hear me when I say, if you're not in one, oh, we love you. 
We're never going to force you. I mean, that'd be crazy. And the cool thing about this sermon is it's not on small group weekend. So my, my point is not to try to get you on a life group. This is just come home. You're missing out on life and living and community with friends that will bring the very best out of you, that will encourage you, that will remind you of your more than mediocrity, your more than okay, more than fine life. And when you get together with that group and you tell your stories and you're with a group of people that focus on God, your life, you'll be catapulted into the stratosphere of holiness and goodness and fun and almost drowning. Amen. And good carne asada. And all the things that come from heaven. That's who we need to be right there. It's there. If you want it. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Oh, man, Father, I pray you'd open the eyes of the blind right now. Help them to see that as long as they live in isolation, you'll still love them. They'll go to heaven by grace and mercy. But if they want up there to come down here right now, and they want a little the positive what is one day going to become a reality if they want to feel more than fine more than just okay and face every new day with an excitement and and courage that that's going to come when they put themselves in a position to be accountable to love to serve to do life together with people of a common bond called the ecclesia and to be reminded that in acts chapter 2 when the church was the church that even the people on the outside gave them great favor because everybody wants into a community like this. I pray for those who have tried community and been wounded and hurt, that they would not give up knowing that somehow they will find the right group of people into which they fit that will encourage them and help them to live the extraordinary life. It's my prayer for all people. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and that's the end of More Than Fine. To hear this message from Pastor Jeff again, or for more information, you can search for Jeff Vines at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.